0: Uh, last week, we talked about, um, you know, where the Lord comes to meet the the living, you know, the, the dead to rise, and then the living to go and meet him, right, and talked about the rapture of the church. Um, so we're going to kind of continue on with uh, this, in a sense, end times theme, although not in the sense of where we're going to lay out exactly who's who on the chessboard, um, uh, and or what time exactly it's going to happen, because as we'll see today, that is actually not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time. We pray that you would speak to us, Lord, through your word, and that you would uh, just give us your, your spirit to understand. Um, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Actually, I kind of went, I usually do the prayer after that. But if you could stand, you don't have to, but if you can, go for it. We'll read the, the scripture. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren... You have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night, or drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whenever, or whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort one, uh, each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. All right, you guys can be seated. Concerning, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Um, the reason Paul says that is because this was a question they were asking. Uh, what, when is this going to happen? When's the day of the Lord going to happen? Maybe first we should break down the day of the Lord. It's all around the Old Testament. If you're looking at the Old Testament, and it's, it sounds like it's going to be like a really fun thing, but it's not. <laughs> if you're reading through the Old Testament, you could see it's a day of judgment. Um, it's a day of reckoning. Joel and Amos give us real clear, vivid examples of that. Uh, and so the day of the Lord was something like, when is this happening? When is all this going to take place? Where and how and all this? And, and they're not the only ones, right? Uh, Jesus' disciples were asking him these same questions. When's it going to happen? You know, give us the insight. Let us know. Hey, when's that going to happen? When's this going to happen? So uh, that's that's common. that's normal, Right? Um, I, I mentioned last week that that I, I kept seeing dates showing up. Uh, I've been listening to messages on First Thessalonians because I like to listen to stuff I'm teaching on, and the more you listen to s- messages in First Thessalonians chapter four and five, the more the algorithm thinks you want to know the date of the end of the world. So all of a sudden, in your your whole feed is full of of it'll be this date, and you know some of them have already passed. Sorry. Um, but that that's that's a very popular thing and it's something we really want to know and it's 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 not wrong to like want to know that you know that but that that's he's saying i want you guys to understand you they're asking him when is it going to be so, concerning times and the seasons brethren you have no need i should write to you for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord comes as a thief in the night for when they say peace and safety then sudden destruction comes Upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So they're asking about the day of the Lord. It's a real question. Again, the disciples ask the same question When is it gonna be? You know, when's it gonna happen? Um, You know, but then Paul says, You know this, guys. You know that you won't know. You're not gonna know. You're not gonna know the days or the seasons, you know. But here's what you will know it's gonna come like a thief in the night. So what does that mean? You don't see it coming. You don't know it's coming, you know? Something about a thief in the night that's just infuriating. It's it's because you just you had no clue that was gonna happen. I remember one time uh went outside and you find your car door open, you know? That's a bad sign. You know, or or the window smashed or something, and you're like, this is not good. And you feel so violated and you want to just yell, where are you? You know, and they're like um, many miles away, you know, not anywhere near where you are, where you're at, but it's like, it's like violating. And the thing is, you, you, you have no idea. It always catches you kind of off guard. Like, where did that come from? How did that happen? I, I did not see that happening today. So it comes like a thief in the night. So stealth, no one's going to really know. It's not going to be broadcast because a thief would not want to broadcast what they're doing, right? Also, so it says that, but for when they say peace and safety, this is what we do need to know. When, when everyone's content thinking they're good, that they're, they're fine, you know, peace and safety, you know, whatever, comfortable, then what, when is it going to be? Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So, um, you know, how many of you have had babies here? Yes, a lot of you. Um, so, yeah, you guys can speak to this better than I can. Come on up. Um, but the thing is, is that when the baby's coming, it's coming. And there's nothing you could do about it at that point, pretty much, right? I mean, like that is, it's happening. You know, for us, the first baby, they always warn you, you know, don't go in too early. Don't go in too early. And we're Like, yeah, I know, I know. Wait till it's, you know, it's, it, you know, the whole, you got to do formula, four minutes and all this, and so you start doing this, and I'm, I'm doing all the math, and our first kid, Cannon, I'm like, I think, I think we got to go in, Tori's like, I don't think we need to go in yet, I'm like, I think we do, and then we go, and it's like, they're like, yeah, we, I guess we can admit you, we ended up being there for like so long, and we're like, let's never do that again, okay, um, and Tori was telling me like, you, why did you make me go so early, anyway, second one, Violet, we waited a little longer, you know, and this one was like, okay, uh, we got in there and within a couple hours, there she was. Okay, cool. Wow. The third one, you start getting cocky, right? After three, you know, the third and, uh, and our, our hospital, we had just moved here. Our hospital was still in Orange County. And so, um, all of a sudden we're putting the kids to bed and Tori's like, whoa, um, something's happening. I've mentioned this before. You guys have heard this story probably. Uh, but she was like, it's happening. And uh, and every time she stood up, it was like faster and faster, and there was like nothing you could do. But there's no escaping. So I said, "Lay down or something," you know. And we're so we're asking. Roger and Julie, come over quick. And so they're coming over. By the time they get there, it's, like, serious, you know? Like, we're, we're it's coming. We know it's coming. There's no escaping this. There's nothing you could do at this point. We're both lying to each other about how close the contractions are together. She's telling me they're further apart. I'm telling her the time is more than it is because I don't want her to freak out. And I got to Orange County in, like, 35 minutes. You know, gray area. Um, We got there and Hazel was there, boom, you know. She's like, when it's time, it's time, right? And there's no escaping when it's going to happen. I think that's really important to understand that that the people who have set their systems up of believing that they're somehow going to be safe and they're somehow going to be okay, all that's going to be overturned. There's no escaping this judgment of the Lord. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, what about judgment? Uh, we talked about this a little bit with the guys yesterday, but like, if God is good, why does he have to, why this judgment, why this wrath against sin? And, and, and we really, the, the answer to that or, or our acceptance of that is really not as far off as we think. We, we feel righteous anger when we see, hear something happen to a kid. And we expect God to be angry about that. We expect him to want to punish stuff like that. Um. It gets a little trickier when you're the one that did the thing, right? So that's what we don't want. But the idea of judgment, it's, it's, it's necessary because sin needs to be judged. For those, and, and God made this beautiful way, which we'll talk about more in a second, through the Messiah to where uh, all that judgment, all that sin, it was put on him. And so he made a way out for us. He made a way but if you choose not to, and I fully believe that people who don't, they choose, they really choose not to. Because if you think about your own life, God is so good at getting the point across to you. It's just how much do you want to not listen, right? We all get there and be there at just certain parts of our life. But So that's the idea. Judgment, it's coming on them. But before you get all discouraged, you know, I remember teaching on some passages once with the junior high group, and uh, I was before I had kids, and I'm just like, yeah, this and this and this. And I remember this junior high girl, her mom told me, she doesn't want to come to junior high anymore. I'm like, why not? We have fun. She says, you're just like talking about gnarly end-of-the-world stuff, and it's freaking her out. She's having nightmares, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm like, wow, yeah, now I get that. Wait, now I'm having nightmares. Anyway, no. (laughs) But that's not, that's not what this is about, okay? This is judgment on sin. The day of the, this is not about believers, okay? Check it out. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. This is the problem of those who are living in the darkness, right? And we're those who live... By the day, so if if you're to go back, uh, there's basically two ages uh, that are talked about in the Bible, especially in the old in the Old Testament, and so they would talk about the present age, which was an age of darkness. This is the reign of sin on man; no escape. Uh, There was provision through the tabernacle and temple um, to be able to have God, you know, forgive sins in that sense. But it was there was no light there really right? wasn't It was not the age of light. And then it talks about the age which is to come. That would be the time of the Messiah. So those of us who are, uh, we're all living after the Messiah has come, and those of us who are in Christ, we're living in the age that is to come. This is the age of light. Theologians call this inaugurated eschatology, right? It means that, that the, the kingdom has begun because Jesus says it all the time. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. I'm here. I've, I'm coming to establish my kingdom and we're to pray for his kingdom to come. And, and so we're little parts of the kingdom of God as believers, lights in the midst of darkness that illuminate small pockets of the world for, to, for people to really see what it is. God's ambassadors, God's partners, so he says, you are light. The world is darkness. They're not going to see anything coming. You guys aren't part of that, though. You guys are light. You're different, right? So once we've seen, we're children of the light in, in Christ. We no longer live in the dark. We've seen too much. You know, we did the uh, boomers a couple weeks ago with our, our youth. And it was, it was super fun. Makai um, beat me on the go-kart, and so did Tim you know, mad about that, uh, and, and so, I think, so did Joella, gone it, there was, she's, a, it's a weight advantage, yeah, I was trying to grab Makai's cart to pull me, <laughs> Calvary bad gets kicked out of boomers, um, <laughs> yeah, softball season, jumping fences, anyway, you know, ugh, consider the source, all right, uh, but I, I remember riding in, in those, and Cannon said the same thing, uh, for Cannon's birthday, we went to K1, that was like his thing, and I just, getting in that go-kart, it was fun, but all of a sudden it starts topping out at what might be eight miles an hour, I don't know, you know, and, and you just feel it and you're like, ah, this is not the same as the K1, because those ones are nuts, man, those things are flying, you know, the little shifter carts, it's right here, I'm, I'm not getting any money for that, that's not an ad, um. But they're super fun. They're expensive, but like crazy. And it's hard to go back to writing a, a smaller one like that. When you've experienced the real thing, you know, it's just, it's just different. And so the, the realm of the dark should have no appeal to a believer because it's like your eyes are open. You're like, mind's blown by what you've experienced. I'm always concerned when people invite me out to like a nice dinner or like restaurant. I'm like, because I didn't know what I was missing. Like I thought steak at Tom's Burgers was good, until I had it at you know Joe's Stone Crab in Vegas, and you're like, whoa, that's a lot of money for that steak, <laughs> and you're like, I wonder what it's like, and you cut it, and you're like, I did not know you could, you didn't have to saw your meat in half, you know? So the, the more experiences, like, what? Well, it opens your eyes, and you're like, it's kind of going to be hard to go back now, right? You drank instant coffee then all of a sudden you have like a really good espresso. You go, hmm, don't know if I'm going to be able to go back to the flavor crystals, you know? I don't know if that Folgers commercial is appealing to me like it used to. Anyway, so that's the idea, guys, is that, is that as we've been introduced to the light, the darkness no longer has hold on us, but it's not just so that we can, you know, kind of hang out on our own. We are now meant to shed light and be light to the world And darkness, and that's how we get other people to become light. God chooses to use us, that our light would so shine that men would see our works and glorify our Father in heaven. They would come to know him. He would get glory from our lives. They would see God in us, right? So he's saying, don't worry, you're not of the dark. The thief's not coming because you're in the light. It's different for you, right? And he says, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. Maybe your parents used to say this to you. Nothing good happens after midnight. You guys ever hear that? Or 2 a.m. or whatever. It's a fact, you know. (laughs) I think, you know, when you're young, you're like, that's probably not that big of a deal. Then all of a sudden you look around you, you're going, yeah, this is not probably great, you know. But the idea is that there's something about the dark that you feel like you can do stuff you wouldn't normally do. And the same thing with being drunk, right? That's the same idea, is that people feel like they can say things and do things that they would normally never do. It's called, some people call it liquid courage, you know? It gives you the, uh, the ability to do things. You're like, oh, that might not be such a good idea. But the idea of sleeping and drunkenness is complacency. It's dangerous, We can't remember the dangers around us when we're living like that. Verse eight, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love uh, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So let us who are of the day be sober. One of the things about drunk people is they are super vulnerable. They're vulnerable, right? Like, because you can get them to say stuff, right? (laughs) Right? You know, they can be like, or, or those who are asleep, same thing. They can be taken advantage of. When, when I was, when I was uh, younger, uh, we, we would always spend the night at my friend's house. Um, and they've been here at this church before. The Gold Trees, you guys know them. Um, and we would always, they'd all be asleep. All these guys would be asleep. And we would always try to find someone who was like kind of sleep talking to find out information about them. You're like, there's this one kid who he would talk to you in his sleep. You'd be like, hey, Tommy, Tommy, who do you like? And he's like, huh? And he's like, all of a sudden start telling you stuff, you know? Same thing's true. Like those who are like in that position of being drunk, you're mentally, physically, monetarily, you're in danger. I'm not in danger, vulnerable, right? And so the idea is don't let yourself be, get swept up into being vulnerable. you got to have your eyes open. you got to have your eyes open around you. So this is a spiritual context, although I think it, it plays in physically too because the Bible's pretty clear, don't get drunk, right? But you can sleep, you know, (laughs) physically. Um, But the idea is being asleep spiritually. So nothing good happens from that. Those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us be of the day, who are of the day, be sober. Putting on what? The breastplate of faith and love. So yesterday we talked about the armor of God with the men. And we're talking about the world that we're living in right now. It is so tricky uh, and, and we, it is so easy to fight in the flesh. But our weapons are not against flesh and blood because that's not where our battles are. They're spiritual. And so we put on the armor of God, and there it's the breastplate of what? Do you guys remember? Righteousness, yeah. So there's this interchangeable, I guess, aspect to the armor. But this, it's, it, it's, in a sense, it's the same, right? So we've got the breastplate of faith and love. Um, these are things, are, are things that will help us. Faith and love allows us to walk in the light awake. If, we're, if we have faith, we're trusting God. We're believing Him. Even when everything else is saying to the contrary, even when nothing else makes sense, we're not giving in to our fears We're not giving in to uh, the lowest common denominator, stooping down to the level where we don't belong. We have faith that God is faithful, and so we can trust him, put all of our trust in him. So we believe the words that he says, and then that is all filtered with love. Everything we do has this agape love to it, so we're truly caring about one another, right? So that helps us to walk awake. And if you love someone, you're going to be on the lookout for them. Like I said, having a kid, nothing is more stressful than when you have a kid. Now, all of a sudden, you have to protect them. You know, it used to just be me I had to protect. I didn't worry about that as much, you know. But you're like, what? all of a sudden, like, crossing the street, something you never thought about is a big deal, you know. There's a lot of th- different things, you know. Or, or walking around Target, you're like, who's here, you know. Making sure everybody's safe putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's the same, it's the helmet, you know, salvation. The hope of salvation, uh, that our minds are fixed on eternity in the sense, man, no matter what happens, I'm gonna trust God in the midst of everything that happens here on earth. And if it all goes south and all falls apart, my hope is in salvation. My hope is tied in eternity and I'm gonna be with Jesus forever. You know, and we talked about heaven last week, and we talked about how heaven's so much better than anything we could imagine. Like the the our depictions of heaven, little cherubs, you know, whatever, like kind of like Cupid shooting stuff. I don't know what you know, gold streets and kind of clouds and whatever. I mean, that is like we're looking at the new heaven, the new earth, new creation, everything restored. I actually read a guy on, in his commentary that believes that some of the beauty created here, like by mankind, could be possibly part of the new heaven and the new earth redeemed completely redeemed i was like well that's really interesting so what he was trying to say is we should be builders here we should be doing good things here we should be focused on caring here not just cutting and running but investing in the world we live in not in the sense of you know we're being super weird about it but like for god's glory that's why you know so many humanitarian aid uh uh, efforts are tied to Christians you know people were willing to give up their lives to go and and, and rescue people and minister to people and treat people and on the other side of the world because they thought man this is so worth doing I'm not just going to sit and, and sit back and relax but at the helmet the hope of salvation that our minds remember what we're here for why we're here and the ultimate hope that's found in Jesus this is, this is like so important to remember, right? So our hearts are being protected, right? Uh, with faith and love, that's the breastplate, right? Vital organs being protected um, or righteousness. You know, it all kind of ties in, right? Faith and righteousness go together, right? So faith and love, that's protecting our heart, helping us to operate in a way that's not reactive to the world that we're in but it's like, it's proactive in reaching the world. So complacency and remembering, yeah, we gotta remember complacency is like one of the biggest things we gotta worry about. that is just because we are like masters at figuring out the least effort to take. It's just like, that's just in our DNA. Like, how do I make this easier? You know, (laughs) how do I make a shortcut, you know? Oh, okay. I, I, instead of reading this, I could do this YouTube video. This YouTube video is way too slow. Playback speed, 2.0. Cut to the, cut to the actual part of it that much, you know. Gosh, that was 45 seconds I'll never get back. But at least I know how to do it. I wish Someone should make one that's way faster so I don't have to sit here for two minutes, you know. It's crazy, right? Cutting to that point. And that's part of our microwave culture, you know, Everything is just, oh, that's just taking too long, you know. Um, My kids have grown up on streaming services. uh, And so they, for a long time, didn't know really what a commercial was. And so, like, whenever they'd see, like, TV, they'd be, like, enthralled by commercials. And I'm like, this is the commercials were like, most of the show when I was a kid, I think, you know. And, And it was like, yeah, send this much with shipping and handling. I mean, we were buying everything, you know, like, putting it all in the envelope really would love to make some gummies out of this machine. You know, anyway, all that stuff. But the idea is that we live in a, in a culture where we're like, fast, 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 give you, no, relax, rest. Don't be complacent. Engage, right? Engage. Don't just find the, the least path of resistance, but the most effective path. What are we supposed to do? You know, how are we supposed to live? Um, verse nine, for God did not appoint us to wrath Wow, can we say thank you, Lord? (laughs) God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep we should live together with him. you You want to know why God did not appoint us to wrath? It's because it was dealt with with Jesus. The wrath of God was dealt with in Jesus. And it was all his idea. Like, to rescue us, to save us, to take it all on, to defeat sin and death forever. So God didn't appoint us to wrath. But, so that's a good reminder, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus, right? It's, I, I was stoked it was like when I recognized um, that this is what the passage was because we're, we're doing communion today. It's the first Sunday of the month. It's like, what a perfect time. Although the Bible's pretty good at bringing it back to Jesus, you know? It's kind of all about that. Um, but I love that, you know, like, God didn't appoint us to wrath. Like, that, I guess it's a sign of, like, our complacency even when we're just like, oh, yeah, totally. But when you see, like, kind of like what it's about, and if you start studying, like, the day of the Lord, all that kind of gnarly stuff, you're like, that is not something you want to be a part of. And, and it is God's wrath on sin. But he did that for us, for those of us who want to be in Christ. That has been dealt with on the cross the cross is a mystery a beautiful mystery but it is it is so well portrayed through the grand narrative of scripture right that god was was through even through looking back at isaac you know this example of of a father being asked to sacrifice his son you know and god's like no don't worry i'll i'll i i got you don't worry, I got you, Abraham. This is just a sign of things to come, but I want you to remember what this means to me, right? And the sacrifices, the blood, uh, we look at the Passover, right? And the blood that saves, right? The blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the lintel of the door that saves those. Uh, for those who don't have it, they're not. So God's wrath is a real thing. And, and again, we really do want a God if he's just and if he's loving, he deals with the rottenness of sin, and and we got to not look at people who reject that necessarily as victims, right? Our job is to love them and in every possible way try to show them Christ. I think God works in our partnership with that, and I think that you know we'll do well to do that. But I think God gives ample opportunity and makes it very clear. But the hope that is found. In Jesus and and like I said it took me a while to actually admit it but God had been knocking on my heart for a really long time it took me a long time to get there and he's so gracious to make a way and he's so gracious to try to compel us to take that way so if we live or we die we're with him so that's what he says who died for us that whether we wake or sleep remember Wake or sleep, it's not the sleep that's the bad in this context. But sleep, we saw it last chapter, is the way that was described those believers who are dead. They sleep. Like, it's just momentary. Like, the grand picture, the, like, the big picture is you're not really dead. You're coming back. You know, like, you're, that's, this is temporary. There is an eternity. How do we... How are we going to spend that is the question. So that whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. That's the key, to live together with him. I was, I was, I'm going to be uh, speaking at the Bible college uh, tonight. Pray for that, if you will, um, it's for their, like, Sunday night chapels in Marietta. Um, and, and I was thinking, like, man, what would I want to know, like, looking back? Like, what would it be helpful to like someone who was in Bible college and looking to be in ministry. And I was just thinking about like, just be close to the Lord. How, the presence of God, seek his face. That, that's it. And I'm gonna, you guys, a lot of you guys probably heard, but I'm gonna go over that whole thing with Moses and the golden calf and, and God saying, well, I'll give you the land, but you know, uh, you're, I'm not going with you. And Moses is like, if you, don't go, if you don't go with us, we don't want the land. That whole thing, right? He wants us to be, he, he's like no i just i just want to beauty. and then all of a sudden what does he say he's like can i see your face and all of a sudden they have this connection and it's moses is glowing and cuz you can be the professional you know and and i think that's unfortunately what happens sometimes even like young people in ministry they want they want to build like it's like i think you want to be an entrepreneur uh, <laughs> or a ceo i don't know if you want to be a pastor but like it's it's easy to get in that place where you're like no one wants to struggle. You know, I want to see you build, build, build. So if we do this and we do this and we do this, it's like, what I, what I will warn you is, no matter how much further you get in ministry, no matter if you become an intern and then you become like a youth or assistant pastor or whatever, you become a senior pastor, none of it magically transports you into where you're with, with God in his presence. We, do, we make this decision every day. And so that's the desire that we're saved in him that we wake or we sleep in him and that we should live together with him in communion. And it goes back to the garden. This was the plan. So what's the, what's the, what's the, the thing he finishes up here with? Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. This is to be a comfort Comfort one another with the love of God. Remember what he's done. Let your mind be transformed. Live in faith and active love so that the world around you can see the light and now they can be part of it too. So again, as we, as we do communion, have a time of communion, we're gonna have a song for communion. We'll have another song after that. And I would really recommend taking it back to your seat and just spending some time with the Lord and just thanking Him, remembering that the, the wrath of God was satisfied through His body being broken and through His blood being shed. That's what's represented in these little styrofoam wafers, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> they're good, they're good. That represents the body of Jesus, and the, 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 the juice, the grape juice, represents His blood. Blood that was shed for us. This is a thing for believers, right? Because you don't want to say that you're in that if you're not. But that's really simple. If you're not, ask Jesus in your heart. Just come to Him. Say, Hey Lord, I need You. I just need You. I I don't want to do this alone. I know my sins are are holding me back. They're 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 crippling me. I know I'm stuck. I know that I feel like I'm guilty. Uh, and you promised to set me free. That's real simple. Just ask him, pray to him, and then come up and experience the goodness of God. His The, the body, remembering his body that was broken, his blood that was shed for us. And we can be whole and we can be real. And so that this can be a comfort, even in this Horrific thing that it would be a comfort. And then it would awaken us to want to save as many as we possibly can. We would get the mind and the heart of God to love the world and reach out to people everywhere and, and to to try to bring them in. Can let me tell you about the good news of Jesus. Let me tell you about the comfort that I found in him. Let me tell you about just how there's nothing that can happen to me that could separate me, me from the love of God. Let me give you hope in a hopeless world. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for these realities, Lord, that you really...